And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston. And again, with my lovely co-bride, co-bride, co-host, Alexia. How you doing, baby? What is a co-bride? A co-bride? <laughs> that sounds like polygamy. Would that be That's polygamy? Straight. A co-bride? It's definitely Is co-bride polygamy? Fun. Probably. I think we've done too many shows in Utah. I think so. <laughs> Time to move. What's up, co-bride? <laughs> no, that's not sticking. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Co-host. That's better. All right. Welcome to the show. Thank yeah. you. Uh, pretty excited about today's show. We got uh, this. Look, we always talk about how important it is to take our backyard back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, uh, like DC is, is honestly, it's a circus. It was never meant to be what it is. Our founding fathers intended DC to have almost no power. They wanted all the power to be held to the state. And the, and the federal government, when the states got together and created the federal government, they said, we're going to give you a very limited amount of power and the rest is ours. Yep. Don't touch. We don't want another king. We don't want another Britain. Well, guess what? Boom. They've turned it around and now we have a federal government that resembles exactly what our founding fathers left. So our whole message to people is, look, if you want to fix the country, start by getting your backyard. And the thing we think is the most important thing is to get is to put a constitutional wall around, around our state. We need, you look at what Ron DeSantis has done. As governor. As governor. What Florida has done, getting control of their elections, saying no to the mandates, so, saying no to, the, to the, all the garbage that the federal government has done. That's the path to victory. Yeah. I don't think we can get DC back because DC was never meant to become the heart of an empire or, or an empire. So there's, to me, nothing more important than the role of a governor. Absolutely. And so... um, For good or for bad. Right. Look at Newsom. Look at Cox. Right? I mean, look at what Cox is doing. Look what, you know, Governor Newsom and then, I mean, these liberal states. And where Utah has become such a den of corruption, the only way to get the state back is, is, to me, the number one thing is you need a governor who will stand up and will start fighting back. And people that will hold them accountable. Yes. Most important the people to start holding them accountable. So before we get in, we have, we have, I believe that governor here with us today, uh, who that man, who could be that. In fact, I don't know anyone who I would trust as much as this man. Uh, he's a, he's a personal friend and, uh, we spent a lot of time with him and he's someone who has been proven to do what is right under every, any circumstance, including when it landed him, uh, in jail, uh, when he stood up to federal government trying to protect our lands. So, before we jump into it, please make sure you're following us on, our, on all of our socials. Go to We Are The People UT, whether it's Instagram, uh, Rumble, etc. The only thing that's different is uh, YouTube, which is We Are The People Radio. And Twitter. And Twitter, which is... We Are The UT. We Are The UT. I believe so. I believe you're right. Why is Chelsea shaking her head? No, and, we and, are And the we UT. have, by the way, Chelsea <laughs> is here. She's hiding. She's, she's in the shadows. Yes. But she is here. You'll hear her pop in because she has... This is an important show to her and she wants to... Uh, be able to influence the future governor. So influence. anyways, yes, influence. Well, at least ask some questions. Yes, there we go. That's much better. <clears throat> um, and then this show is brought to you by Innovive. The thing I love about this is uh, it used to be that like having clean water was like, like something you do that's like a luxury. But one of the things that's been amazing is like when you see how much toxins are in our soils, a lot of because of, of Kennecott Copper and, and, this, and how our, again, politicians have made deals with these lobbyists that have said, hey, let's, and the EPA, let's change the standards in Utah and allow more toxins in Utah than any other state without making it a red flag. 
to me, what the reason we use their water is I won't drink. I will not drink that tap water, and I don't think people should. It's, I don't think you can look at what's going on in society and see all the people messed up as they are is, and not see that there's a correlation to the water. So, anyways, uh, if you haven't checked them out, go to interview.com. And, and also uh, some of our past shows with them. We've done some great shows highlighting what's in your water. Yeah. So, great shows to check out. All right. That being said, let's get this show on the road because uh, – we're gonna have a very hard-hitting uh, interview. We don't. We're, we're this one's important, and and we uh, we've got some very hard questions to ask, and but we've got the the man who I who's up for it. So, if you wouldn't mind, baby, this is uh, your uh, step up and introduce our yeah, guest. You know, it's funny. I was gonna ask for a bio before the you show. You don't need his bio. <laughs> you know him. And, and I just went to go pull something up and. I always get so hesitant when I see Wikipedia show up first. Have you ever read your own Wikipedia before? You know, I don't know if I have. You, you do you have say it probably says you're a criminal. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it does. <laughs> I'm sure it does. I hope it does. <laughs> well, Phil, Philip K. Lyman. Did they get Phillip. that right? That is correct. Phillip. Phillip. That's great. All right. Oh, I like it. Um, well, soon to be hopefully governor, Philip K. Lyman, uh, is a good friend. We do love you, Phil. So thank you for joining us in the studio. He's a resident of Blanding, Utah. That's four corners for anyone that needs a map. It's uh, the southeast corner of the state. Uh, and he is currently serving in District 69 in the House of Representatives. Uh, and it, as of today, I believe, is official that he is going to be running. No, yeah, yes, when we were, yes, the day we released this. Thank shoot. you. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Not so much spoiler alert. But Phil has been incredible. Uh, member of not just of Congress right now for our state Congress, but also locally uh, when you served as, what was it, uh, city commissioner? County. County commissioner. County Sorry, commissioner. Not that. I didn't mean to demote you County. there. Yeah. So uh, he, like Jason said, he stood up against the federal government there. We've actually done a past show with you in our, in our last studio uh, where we actually got into your story. We can touch on that a little bit today. Right. And uh, what you've done for federal lands, since I know that's an issue near and dear to your heart. So... Welcome back, Phil, and uh, congrats on. Thank uh, you. It's great to be here, and appreciate the work that you're doing. I know it's a, it's a large burden that you carry, and uh, somebody's got to tell the truth. So thanks for doing that. Yeah. Well, we uh, every, every there's a lot of people who are in in the fight, and I appreciate everybody out there. And there's a lot of groups that are out there doing it, and uh, obviously you're in the fight too. And when you realize what we're up against, you don't have a choice sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. It's it's time to stand and fight. So we and appreciate you. I do welcome shows like this. It's a welcome <clears throat> reprieve from exposing the corruption when you have a solution for for things like uh, corrupt governor. Or not I don't I don't want to call him corrupt, but issues we take. He's a sellout. He's a straight there sellout. You there you go. If you can't, he's even a beta sellout. So let's start with globalist. That. What what is currently working in the state of Utah, and what is not, particularly in the state of Utah, and also with with our current governor. Well, uh, I guess going back to the discussion we we're just having, you know, there's a there's a contract that kind of lines this out. If we follow that contract, it would really help. You know, the Constitution lays out what states are and what governors right. are and what they're not, and we get we get caught up in all of the, you know, should we do this or is your idea better than my idea? It's like, how about we just go back to our contract that we signed at the beginning of this and and, and see what that says? Yeah. About, how about since especially about since we swore an oath? Yeah. To defend yeah. it. Yeah. So so. Um, I mean, what's working? Uh, families, 
in Utah are working, at least off the Wasatch Front. Right now we're below replacement rate in Utah, which is, I, I never thought I'd see that wow. happen. But if you, if you subtract out, you know, a small portion of uh, one specific urban area, then the, then the state's, you know, uh, past, past that rep replacement rate. Um, so families, families are working. Uh, businesses are working in spite of the government, you know. We're number one, not because of the government, but in spite of the government and our business growth and our, our entrepreneurs and, uh, and, and Utah. I mean, I, I, as, I've, as I've gone through some of these questions, the thing that really comes to me on Utah is it's, it's the West, you know, and people love it. People love being in the West. Even, even if you live in the city, if you're in high density housing, you still live in Utah. You're not in Chicago. You're, you're in Utah and people appreciate the mountains and, uh, just everything that Utah represents, you know, that's where God put the West and he did it for a good reason. Yeah, and and we, as we've talked with Chelsea in the past, we are the, the crossroads of the West. So that's what, that's what's working. Yeah. So why did you decide to run for governor? So what's missing uh, is that commitment to statehood. And I guess uh, I had a call on the way up this morning, so it, which kind of illustrates it. And it was a uh, reporter that was down in Moab talking about doing the new BLM travel plan on Gemini bridges and, Labyrinth Canyon, and um, he said, uh, he said, well, it is federal land, so does Utah, do they really have a say in this? And I said, I, I did a little visual here, if you can, can you tell what that is? <laughs> Looks like Utah. <laughs> I, said, I said, is it in Utah? I, I, I thought we were talking about land that was in Utah. That, does that boundary not mean something? It, that's in Utah. Of course, of course the legislature has a say in it. Of course the governor has a say in it. And if we believe we don't, then it's because we've bought the lie put out by some of these organizations like Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance that, that this is federal land and Utah has no, no business telling us, telling the federal government what to do with their federal land. And that's, that's, to me, that's at the heart of it. I said in another conversation, you know, whether we're talking about public schools or public land, that doesn't mean that we gave up our right to have a voice in that, that somehow the federal government now will tell us what curriculum we're going to do in our public schools or tell us, you know, that we're trespassing when we go on public land that we've grown up next to or grown up on. And, uh, and so that's, that's a, that's a major, it's a major problem. And it's a major structural problem. It's like, who, who is responsible for land inside the state of Utah? I'll tell you in 1896, it meant something. Statehood meant something. They've been trying to back that off now for, you know, at least since at least since 1976, trying to back that off to tell us that you know we're we're wards of the federal government and giving us money to prove the, their point. Right. So uh, yeah, it, it goes on and on. It it, it just expands from there. <laughs> so. so that's an issue. Tell, tell us why you decided to run, though. So I, I as I'm looking, what was missing in my in my observation was a commitment to statehood. Uh, I, I watched the current governor um, go lockstep with the Biden administration on vaccines and masks and protocols and shutdowns and narrative around that uh, and, and why, you know, uh, why, why people should be obedient and this idea that we're losing patience with the unvaccinated. And, and, and it's one thing if you've got, you know, a total leftist in Washington, D.C. spouting nonsense like that. But when you've got the governor of Utah that's saying the exact same things, it as gets a, to a, As a so-called Republican. It, get, it gets to be a problem. And then, and then the op-eds, you know, we'll, I think we'll talk a little bit about elections and stuff. But when you, when you say, uh, you know, this column 
and this column should match and they don't. And, and the response to that is they're playing a very dangerous game. These election deniers are playing a very dangerous game. And I mean, just, just this uh, here recently, uh, the governor said something about the decay of democracy. And I thought, oh yeah, that's, there, there could be a decay of democracy. Well, his version of decay of democracy is, is Donald Trump. He is the threat. That is what is causing the threat to democracy. Is, is, isn't the nonsense of January 6th or uh, you know, the targeting of people in their own homes, you know, walking into um, a person's house in Provo and shooting them or, or designating monuments, the decay of democracy is that people still think that Donald Trump is, you know, the leader of the Republican Party type of thing. Right. So right. Those, those things are troubling. Right. Um, <clears throat> what is your biggest concern with Spencer Cox? I guess my biggest concern with Spencer is that he plays to whatever audience he thinks he needs to be playing to. So right now he's trying to come across as a conservative. Um, uh, at least, at least with some of his rhetoric saying, you know, this is, this is, this is who I'm at. I'm a conservative. As soon as the primary is over, if he wins the primary, then he will shift completely to the left to let all the lefties know that he's their guy. Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a light pink shade of, of politics, which, which I, which I don't, I don't appreciate. And I don't, I, I don't like the deception, I guess, that seems to come along with that of, uh, you know, I says, I'll, you know, it says one thing and does another. Uh, and, and that's, that's been my, that's been my experience with him. And, uh, and, and increasingly so as the governor, you know, when he was Lieutenant governor, there were some issues, uh, when he was in the legislature, he was pretty solid, and uh, for some reason, he's far from he's far from How, power. Conservative. Does that. Power does that to people. Well, it's, it's funny Apparently. you say that he's playing the conservative role because just just earlier this week uh, was the news about the California Governor Newsom uh, announces climate corps with uh, agreement with five states. And what do you know? Utah is there. Why does Utah love climate change so much that we always need to get involved with it? So. There are five states involved, uh, New York, uh, Arizona, Maryland, Minnesota, North Carolina, and Utah uh, joining California Governor Newsom to announce the establishment of this so-called climate court program in each state. So, you know, you say he's trying to be a conservative. This reeks to me uh, like more of a liberal-leaning governor. Why is Utah so obsessed with climate change and conservative climate change issues, quote unquote. Well, I mean, part of it, I want to jump in there too, is, is you also have, I think the, one of the biggest problems is actually John Curtis, who is trying, who has been making a national effort to rebrand climate change as a conservative topic, right? He created the conservative climate caucus. So for him, he's, it's, he's trying to say that it is something conservatives need to be involved in. It used to be something very leftist, now you have Curtis and Cox saying, "No, no, this is this is a conservative issue." What, but what are your thoughts on that? Why why is Utah involved with there with uh, Newsom? Well, because the planet is is overheating and we're we're all going to die in a few years. <laughs> Come on, Jason. I, <laughs> it's it's obvious why you know it's it's like it's existential right now. That's the that's the what we're supposed to believe. So so. I brought this up, uh, you know, at the beginning of COVID. I asked the question. I actually was asking Governor Herbert. He was on his way out. I said, is, you know, is, are these are these 
crises that we're facing too big for a Republican form of government? Does it take a dictatorship to handle mm. this kind of stuff? And, and Governor Herbert didn't answer the question. Governor, uh, Lieutenant Governor Cox did uh, with, with just, you know, vitriol and, and uh, you know, just his snide kind of way of, of doing that. But the, but the bottom line is, you know, the, conserv- the, the climate core is not a conservative climate core. It's a climate core. It's the brown shirts. It's the, uh, I mean, I was reading something today. Uh, they want to make uh, climate change a potential cause of death that they could put, that a person died from, cl- died died from climate change. And if you're driving an F-350, <clears throat> you could be an accomplice to murder. I mean, they could charge you with that. And it sounds outlandish until you see what we've, you know, the trajectory we've been on the last couple of years and, uh, and, 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 and why the very people who would defend citizens of Utah against that sort of narrative are out in front of it? I don't know. I really don't know. I can't, I can't for the life of me understand why a person would take a position in favor of the climate core or in favor of the climate or, or the, the Paris agreement in general or in favor of the president signing an illegal right. treaty like that. Right. It's like somebody's got to say, whether you agree with that or not, you can't, you can't have a president that just has, you know, carte blanche ability to sign a treaty. hundred percent. So. All right. You got some questions have, no, because I'm, I'm about ready to yeah, roll. I'd love to hear yours. All right. So here's my first uh, first thing. And I know you're big. One of the things I love about you, uh, Phil, is is your staunch willingness to put uh, your reputation, your family, and then I would even go so far as say your, your life on the line in defense of our lands. Uh, one of the biggest thing that separates a republic from communism is the right to private property. And... Uh, and, the, and one of my biggest concerns, and you've already brought it up on the show, is the fact that the federal government owns 70% of our state. Um, if you were elected governor, what would you do about the, gov- about the federal government's amount of land the federal government has in our state? Well, first of all, I'd tell the Bureau of Land Management we don't need their services anymore. Uh, we, have a, we have a state. Uh, we had statehood in 1896. We've got counties that are designed specifically to manage this type of resource. They're, they're charged with it. They know what they're doing. Uh, they have the knowledge. They have the responsibility. They should have the control, yet they have none of the control. They have all of the consequences from bad management decisions at the county level, um, yet they have almost zero control. And, and this narrative that the federal agencies, agencies, mind you, not Congress, agencies come in and dictate to them which alternative they're going to choose out of, you know, four really bad alternatives. So, so what do you do? I, but I want, okay, I mean, that sounds good. What are you going to do to get our, our state back? I want the federal government out of our state. I want them out of our state. I do I, We have so much natural okay. resources here. So, it, the, 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 the federal government's out of control. So they have no constitutional grounding. Do, do, they, do they have any constitutional grounds to own 70% of our state? No, they do they not. They do not. They do not. Okay, and, and so the next question is, who has more authority, the state or the federal government? The state. The state. So if you're elected governor, what will you do to get the federal government out of our state? I will tell them. I'll tell them to, to get out of our state. So it, back when Governor Bangor was the governor, EPA contacted him and said, hey, air, air issues are big in Salt Lake. We're sending some people out. We're probably going to have to shut down a couple of businesses. And Governor Bangor says, I'll have some people meet you at the airport. He met him at the airport said, you're not getting off the plane, go back to D.C. They didn't know what to do. It's like, we're, we're not used to a governor standing up to us. 
Um, but they got on the plane and went, or they stayed on the plane and went back to D.C. Um, you know, call it the National Guard if you have to. That's, and the governor is the governor of the state of Utah. He is not, uh, you know, administrator for, for the presidency. He's not even close. It's, uh, so, so, yeah, you, you, you basically say, BLM, we no longer need your services in the state of Utah. We, we've got this. We can handle this. So I see you've got powered by coal on your laptop. Yeah. <clears throat> what do we do to get to our access to our, our, get our energy turned on again? We, you get access to our oil, get access to our coal. Yeah. What do we, what do, we do about that? How do we do that? And it is powered by coal. You know, every time you plug in in Utah, you're you're running off of coal power, and Utah of all the of all the states is blessed with an abundance of energy resources. And we could be energy independent. We could fuel the West. You know, with our with our coal, and it's clean. And it's uh, um, the technology of, of burning coal is is improved, and it's it's clean. We've got natural gas. So Utah, number one, should have a policy of energy independence. And it's another one of those where you tell the federal government when they say you've got to shut down your coal plants, say, well, thanks for the advice. It's none of your business. I love it. So, I love it. That's, I think that's exactly what needs to happen. It, and, and it is none of their business. It's like that. The, there are delegated powers that the states gave to the federal government, you know, to print currency and declare war and see what a great job they're doing with everything <laughs> they're delegated. But the things that weren't delegated to them were reserved to the states and to the people. And that's, uh, it's so basic, yet... Um, so much motivation to take over those powers and so much willingness on the part of people at the state level to, to let them do it. I love it. Um, the China threat, as, as I look at, you know, as I look at the, the, uh, where we are as a country, one of the greatest threats is China. They've, they've made it very clear that they, that they are trying to take this country down. They've, they're, they've waged economic warfare on us. Um, they're, they're waging political warfare on us. Uh, trade trade wars, um, and you, we have a president, Donald H. Trump, who stood up and said, "We are going to turn off." And the thing that's allowed China to become such a threat is all the trade, all everything we've done to help fuel the CCP. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when we do business, private business with China, there is there is a member of the every business has to have a member of the CCP on their board. So every dollar that goes, and you think that's going to a private business in China, part of that's going to build the Communist Party, which is their military. Um, <clears throat> Utah has come under fire through the Associated Press and several different agencies about the impact that China has in our state. Influence. And the impact and influence. Where uh, straight out of the Associated Press, what, to, what we're finding is that if there's bills that they do not want, or bills they want pushed through, they have the ability to push them through. If there's bills they want stopped, they have the ability to stop that. Uh, we found out there's seven spy agencies, Chinese spy agencies across the country. Guess what? One of them's in our backyard. We found out that there's that, that there are Chinese, uh, well, we would call them, I mean, they are basically spies who have infiltrated our, our uh, legislative body and are influencing our reps. So my first question for you is this. Um, so let's talk specifically about these, uh, these Chinese actors who came to Utah, joined the church, used the church, and this is all in the Associated Press, used the church to influence our, our leaders. In fact, we had um, a rep who tried to draft a letter condemning China for the... Uh, for the, what is it, the concentration camps of the, of, uh, in the Wuhan, Wuhan's? 
Uh, the Uyghurs. 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 The Uyghurs. Well, this hmm. this this uh, Chinese actor told one of our reps who was writing that that hey, don't be so hasty. What you're doing is the same thing that they did when they attacked Joseph Smith. And guess what happened? He pulled. He withdrew that, and 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 nothing has ever been said from Utah about these concentration camps. We have the FBI saying that this is a national security threat, that Utah is a national security threat because of how open we are to China. So my first question is, what would you do as governor? What could you do about these, uh, in, these actors, these uh, citizens who appear to be spies or who clearly are, have, are ties to China, according to the FBI? Um, what would you do about that? What can we do? Well, first of all, you're right about China. They've been really clear what their objectives are, and they set this plan out. Long ago, they've been working meticulously. I mean, they're like the Swiss clockmakers of taking over a country. And then you've got an administration that would sell this country out for, you know, a billion dollars. They would sell the whole United States to, to China. Um, and then when, they, when you bring it back to the state level, I mean, that's where the states step in and say, you know, uh, Hunter Biden, you may have one idea, but Utah's not going to play that game. And if we recognize that there is a legitimate threat, then we make reporting a requirement. You have to report your connections to China. And on bills, there should be a bill that says, you, we want to know who's behind this. We want to know the entities that push this, whether it's a lobbyist group, whether it's a parents group. When a, when a legislator brings a bill forward, we should be able to look at it and say, who, who is the entity or the entities that have provided language in this bill? That's only fair. I want to know that. And it makes all the difference. You know, there was a a bill that came up a while back and and it was gaining a lot of popularity with with legislators and then came out that it was it was the bill and melinda gates foundation that had promote, promulgated this through some national organization and all the other states were running similar bills it's like that makes a big difference to me uh, because i'm not uh you know astute enough to read that bill and know what the plan is what the scheme is right you're reading it you're trying to find out if there's something sometimes it doesn't feel right but sometimes it feels like it is right then you find out oh this is only one part of a very complex uh, set of bills that's designed to entrap utah and take away our freedoms and if that was disclosed on the front end this this is coming from these groups that so we could actually trace it that would make a huge difference i like that yeah because one of the things that this associated press article uh, talks about is that we've got 25 lawmakers that have made trips to China over and over and over again. And one of the things they point out is that that's unique about Utah is that we don't require our public office officials to report in detail their foreign travel or personal finances. Uh, so it's difficult to determine lawmakers' financial ties to China. And uh, <clears> this <throat> said some of Utah's most pro-China legislators uh, have China-related personal business connections. And uh, that they went on to, um, obviously, it uh, names, uh, who was it uh, that was a Several big... Several of our legislators. Mm-hmm. So what, would, you, would you be willing to pass legislation um, that, um, the stop, that basically f forces their hand, that, that makes, that requires them, public officials, to report in detail their foreign travel and personal finances? As a legislator, I would. As a governor, I don't pass legislation. Oh, excuse me. I was excuse say, me. Excuse me. But but capacity. but but as a governor, 
Would you push that to I would, and, and and expose that to the state that it's a problem and encourage our lawmakers to create legislation? I would do, because that's yeah. what you can do, and that's what I think Ron DeSantis has done. Is he doesn't make law, but he's able to make it a public issue. You can and put pressure on the reps to create the legislation. You can veto it. bills, and I would veto a bill that came through that didn't have the the proper <clears throat> provenance of who's behind that bill and where it's coming from. Um, that I would do. I well, absolutely would let, do that. Let's actually talk about that because I think a lot of our viewers, you know, whether you're in college or, or whatever, you know, wherever you are, I think we should back it, it things out for a minute because mm -hmm. proper role of government is important. You are currently a legislator right now, and a legislator's role is to craft legislature, which is going to govern our state. But your role as governor, you know, alternatively, is very different. So why don't you explain broadly what what difference it is going from being a legislative position to a governor's position. Right. You know, that's my dad used to say differences make a difference. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, governor Cox recently said he was going to run legislation to do something. It's like, Oh, well, you, you don't, you don't run legislation. What he meant was I'm going to get a legislator to run this legislation and I'm going to tell leadership that I want it to pass and it's going to pass without any opposition because that's the influence that, that they have. Uh, a, a year or two ago, he, he credited Deidre with running election legislation. It's like, well, she's not a senator anymore. She's now the lieutenant governor. So legislators legislate. They're the lawmakers. They make the laws. And what happens right now too often is they make laws that have kind of a general feel to it. They hand it over to the executive branch and say, let the rule makers uh, figure this out and make rules. So the Department of Health or whomever it is, they take that and they, they just it's like, oh, it's it's you know, whatever, whatever we want, we've got a blank check and they start making rules. And, uh, and I would veto those bills. If they come and they're saying, we, we're going to just hand this over to the legislative branch. I say, go back and do your job. Legislature. I want, I want a strong legislature. I want legislators who, who, who want to legislate and leadership that wants to empower the body, not to, not to concentrate the power in the leadership. And, and right now it's, it's, it's too concentrated between the governor and the president of the Senate and the, Speaker of the House, and then some of the powerful moneyed interests in the state. One of the problems that um, <clears throat> we've talked to some of the reps we've had on here is that there are so many bills that, try, that they try to push through that our reps are not reading the bills. Uh, is that a real issue? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 1,200 bills. <clears throat> You're, you, you can get a pretty good fill for a bill in, in a short amount of time because it's usually uh, summarized – um, but then you're, you're relying but on who's summarizing it, right? It's the legislative research general counsel. They, 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 and they, and they make an earnest effort. So what do we do to stop that? Because there has been so many garbage bills passed and I, and then we end up hearing, well, I didn't know. And I didn't oh, know. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm gu so, guilty of that myself. So what yeah. do we do? Because you've got basically a lot of it's, it's, it's to a large degree lobbyists putting these bills together and then pushing the reps and leader, getting leadership on board and the leadership saying, well, trust me because I vote conservative 80% of the time. And then the, and then the rep signing off and it's getting passed in legislation. What do we do to fix that? Because if we can't fix that, what is, what good is our legislator? Well, our legislative body. Don't think for a second that it's not orchestrated <clears throat> to create that kind of chaos so that other things can slip through relatively unnoticed. Um, and, and, uh, I, I guess, I guess to remedy that, um, you'd have to go back, maybe limit the number of bills that people could run, maybe have a vetting process of the bills. Uh, 
But right now, the opposite is encouraged. It's they say if if you want a priority bill, you got to get it in. You know, first in first in line, get some get some drafted. So, so if you're a legislator thinking, well, I I have this thought that I might want to run a bill, and all I know is if if I want any chance, I've got to get it in early. So you flood the system on the front end with bills. They start drafting them. They start you know coming through the system, and it just creates all this chaos. And in the meantime, somebody has a specific agenda that they can push through the system without without a lot of detection. So I, I firmly believe that the number of bills that are run are intentional. It's intentionally structured to create a lot of chaos. As governor, do you have any role in determining how many bills are pushed through, or does that remain with the legislative you body? Can, you can affect a lot. You know, A little bit of leadership goes a long way with the governor just to say this is not... We're, this, this is not what we're doing anymore. The people deserve better uh, legislation than the legislation we're getting. And you can talk to the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate and just put it back on them and say, do something about this. You know, we used to meet um, once every two years for 45 days. The legislature did. Um, and so that was, you know, only half the bills that were getting passed. And I'm not saying the bills that get passed are bad bills. It's just that it it forces you to make a bunch of bills that next year you're running a bunch more bills to correct the mistakes you made the year before. If people knew how fluid the law was in Utah, they'd be, they would be frightened. Um, but it is. It's very, very fluid. And, and I guess that could serve the people if there was an empowered legislature, that your elected representative was accountable to you, not accountable to the speaker or the Senate president or whomever is, is pulling some of those strings, which right now it's... Uh, you're more beholden to the power structure than you are to your own uh, people that elect you. How do you change that? Because I think that's a problem. And I think we saw yeah. that. We saw that with um, um, Dan McKay when we had, um, who was it that was arrested? Mike Brown, Mike Brown was arrested for wearing a We, a we the People shirt. Um, <clears throat> when, when they came and said, well, here's the new rules. The new rules is you can't say it, you can't speak up. You have to be you know, quiet. Well, Next time we're going to move the goalpost. No longer you can't raise your hand anymore either. The next time, well, you can't raise your hand either. Now you can't even wear a sticker. And now, I mean, it's like they continually a power. There is a, a, a um, <clears throat> fight for power. I mean, it seems like a complete power grab. Be from these reps, and they almost look down on the on the people. I mean, there's a clearly when you show up at those legislative meetings, there's this. There's an air of arrogance with these legislators. And they and it does feel like they're more beholden to their to the, to each other and to the and to the bodies than they are to the people. How do you change that? Because it's a culture problem. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, the thing a Republican form of government means that it's government by the people. So, and and most people don't know that they are in charge of that. You know, if they think that the legislature is going to come and and save the day, you know in their counties or whatever, they're mistaken because they're the ones that have to save the day. And that's, uh, that's education. People should know that they have rights. Uh, and there's a real effort to indoctrinate them that they only have the rights that the federal government says they have or that the sheriff says they have or whatever. You, you just need to say, these are like, like with school choice. You know, a parent should always understand that they have more authority over their child than the government. We didn't ask the government to co-parent our kids. We didn't invite them to co-parent our kids. Yet they're trying to tell us, if you don't go along with that, you're a domestic terrorist. You're, right. You are the problem. And uh, hopefully, you know, a, an educated, uh, I think, Alexia, I think you said it. You know, people are smart. 
they they get I, this. That's very generous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people are smart. People are smart. Uh, I, I would they just, can, I don't know. They can handle. I think people tend to be sheep. They they're, so. they may be easily deceived, but they can handle the truth. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth about, you know, what's going on around them. Uh, let them make informed decisions. We'll see what happens after some of the episodes that we're getting ready to release. If, well, uh, if that will hold true. And, and, and I mean, Jason, you, you, I've heard you preach this as well as anybody can. And it's the idea that, you know, government is, is a threat. It's not, it's not your friend. If you think it is, you're putting your trust in the wrong people. You know, that's why we have a constitution is to bind those people down to the constitution, bind them down to the agreements they made. You know, we don't trust government. Number one, because they're not trustworthy. Number two, because just inherently that's not their role. They're not designed to be our primary teacher, you know, to tell us to wash our hands and disagree better or, or whatever. And anytime you, anytime you see somebody taking on that role, it should be just a red flag. It's like, why would, why would a governor speak to people as if he has some moral authority over them? And, yeah, and you, you see that, and, it's, and it goes beyond the governor, but you see yeah, that among yeah. a lot of the reps, even con oh, being condescending well, on even social media publicly to, to people. Well, that Mike Brown incident, <clears throat> I mean, if that's not a wake-up call to people, and it was a wake-up call to people, you know. I, I wasn't in the meeting, but I was upstairs. I came down right afterwards, and, uh, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's created a lot of problems. I mean, I ran, for, I ran for speaker, not because I thought I could be speaker, but because I needed to send a message. We don't do this. We don't, we don't haul people out of the people's house <laughs> in handcuffs and press charges against them. And we just don't, we just don't do that yet. You're talking to people that you would think would be hundred percent on your side that are saying, well, he should have just, he should have just taken off that sticker. He should have put the jacket on, you know, and covered that up. It's like, yeah. should have disagreed should better. Have, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. and, and on, honestly, you, you get a lot of people who supposedly conservatives on our side uh, citizens who, who, who agree, who push the same thing as, oh, you know, when you go there, you need to be, you know, tr almost treat them with that reverence. And, and there should be a respect for our elected officials. But I think in Utah, it's almost this reverence for authority. We don't challenge authority. We obey authority. And we, if we are going to challenge, we do it like a little mouse. And, and I will tell you, I believe in respecting the offices, but when the, but again, the founding fathers knew that power corrupts everybody and, and that it is dangerous. And when the people are afraid to call out their reps because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to rock the boat, you got a problem. That's why we think Utah is so corrupt. And, and we talked about the, the Utah. And one of the biggest challenges with Utah is we're so in bed with not only China, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations. Um, <clears throat> The World Economic Forum is, is pushing these 15-minute cities, walkable cities, smart cities. Uh, the origins of that are, are come out of, you know, the, come out of the CCP, communist, you know, um, ideology. The World Economic Forum puts out articles about how Utah uh, is leading the way with these walkable cities and, and talks about how they're doing this, you know, building this at the point. What are your thoughts on the 15-minute cities being built in Utah and being, being pushed here? You know, people kind of harken back to the neighborhood that they grew up in where the kids played out in the street and you could run down to the swimming pool if you wanted to. And, and so there's a part of that that appeals to people. It's like, 
oh yeah, I'd like a place I could walk to and feel safe. Well, they take that, that interest and they exploit it into, they have a plan for us. And when they talk about a 15 minute city, they're talking about surveillance and lockdown and control <laughs> and, uh, and all of those things that you would never ever take, except they say, well, it's just a, it's a nice walkable city where people will sit on their front porch and wave to their neighbors as they're walking by. I mean, they just, it, it, they try to sell it. So again, you look at who's driving this. It's people who don't have the interest of, you know, preserving our, our, our liberty for ourselves and our posterity, which is what our interest should be. They, they have the opposite interest. You know, and bringing that back to China, you know, somebody once said you can buy anything in this world with money. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of money. You know, BlackRock, you know, $10 trillion uh, company. They've got more sovereignty in the world than Utah does um, because they've got so much money. And they operate on a, glo- on a global front. Google, you know, Google doesn't care about America. They care about Google. That's what they care about. And whatever it takes to run their algorithms and gather their data, that's what they're going to do. So you take that, you take that desire to control people. You take all of the money in the world. And, you know, and you, can, you can buy a lot of influence. And then if, if you've got a legislator who's saying, you know, I could maybe parlay my politics into some nice consulting gigs and, and, and make money on that side, you know, and I'll, dis- I'll disclose it. It's not a conflict of interest. I'm just, you know, I'm just being astute. And pretty soon they're conflicted. They're now working for money. They're working for, against the interests of the people. So if, if we <clears throat> elect you governor, what would you do to stop this push towards this, these smart, walkable 15-minute cities? I, you know, I, I live on my five and a half acres, and I wish it was 500 acres, you know. Um, and... You know, every once in a while, I'll see a neighbor across the field that you can wave at, that, that type of thing. So somehow we're being sold this bill of goods through affordable housing programs, uh, federal money that flows into Utah for all of these, these, these things that they want to see us uh, pursue. And, and so 15-minute cities appeals to people in that way of, well, it would be affordable. At least, at least my, my college student when they get married could move into a house and, and only pay $3,000 a month instead of, you know, $6,000 a month. And, uh, um, anyway, I'm, I guess I'm not, I'm not getting straight to the point on that, but it's, but I think there's something, I think there's something there that's, it's like we've, we've created an environment that is on based on a broken premise. Number one, that we don't, that we don't have land in Utah to build on because we've got nothing but land in Utah. Uh, you can't, you can't get a, permit to build a, a reservoir or put in some more water infrastructure. Why? Well, because it's federal land. So, I mean, let's, let's spread out a little bit. Let's, let's get away from this idea that 15 minute cities are going to save us from ourselves. And so what would you do if you're elected today? What would you do about that? I mean, the point they're, they're talking about doing that in vineyard, there's several places daybreak. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Chelsea, what, go ahead. Ask the question. And Chelsea, you study numbers, numbers of bills more than I do. So you might have to give me a title. Yeah. Okay. So HB 125 was the bill that um, electrified the entire state. So it brought artificial intelligence where we're electrifying the entire railway, freights, truckers, airplanes, everything. Right. And they created the Aspire program. And we've talked about this before, Jason, but they brought in Stadler. Jacob Andreg went to Sweden and his supposed cousin came in. And now the entire Swiss parliament, which is... Um, they're members of, of Stadler, basically own 
our, our roadway system, this electrification system. We are partnering with other states, obviously, um, to do this electric transit um, between states. They've done this through public-private partnerships, obviously, that's a big thing. And the, the public-private partnerships are, I mean, it's state, it's local, it's federal, it's foreign. We've got the Communist Party involved in these public-private partnerships, right? So I think these are some of the things that I've, I have questions about that go along with your question, Jason, of these are things that if we shut this down, we shut these 15-minute cities down. So as governor, is there anything that you would be able to do to back out of some of these things? to shut some of these things down. So, uh, <clears throat> and I'm not, I'm not dodging this question at all because I wanna dive right into it. Uh, it comes back to the people rejecting that notion and why would they accept that notion in the first place? And that's what I say, maybe it's, maybe we've been social and engineered into a position where, well, it's better than, you know, not having a place to live. Uh, so I would say, as a, as a governor, what I would, what I would, want to do is, is find out the truth on those public-private partnerships. Where is that coming from? And reject that. You know, so our, our budget, I was, I was looking at these numbers. In 2007, the state had a budget of $10.4 billion. Um, by 2017, it was up to $13.6 billion. So a little bit of growth there. From 17 up to 23, it went from $13.6 billion to $29.3 billion. And 28% of that is federal money. Um, could we do without that 28%? Could we do without that 10 million? It'd still keep us at, at 20 billion. We still, still would have doubled since 2007. So uh, I guess you, fo you follow the money. Reje reject, these, reject these things. Reject the whole notion that we're, that we're stuck in vineyard, that that's gonna be the new Utah city is gonna be where everybody can live and own nothing and be happy to say, that's not, what we, that's not what we do in Utah. We just don't do that. And I think a governor can have some leadership. I think, you know, just like Ronald Reagan kind of set a new tone of, you know, a little bit more of a rugged Western individualist, and that's what Utah should be, rugged, rugged Western individualists who's, who, when that notion comes up, it's like, that's, that's not an option. I'm not, I'm not living in a, in a place like that. Right. Um, so with that, would you be willing to... Um do audits? Could we do audits into, like, for instance, I believe a lot of the COVID money went towards transit, right? Um, into where the, these federal funds and these grants are coming in to do audits on where that money is going, exactly how it's been spent. Um, maybe even audits into, you know, for, for instance, Utah County, we have a lot of local Utah reps that are going to other countries to um, spread initiatives, you know, for voting, for marriage certificates, all sorts of things in other countries even. What are Utah representatives, and you know, you know this, that legislators have been involved in this, what are Utah representatives doing in foreign affairs, right? So would we be, be able to audit grant money, but also maybe um, do any kind of investigations as governor or and audits into uh, what's all going on with that, with, with local representatives as well, involved in other countries? Right. That's a great point. I mean, we just sent a group of people to Israel to study water. And, and they came back and I said, you know, you got 10 million people that, that live in Israel, and it's less than the size of San Juan County, where I come from. And they get double the precipitation. So what, do, what does Israel have that Utah doesn't have? What could we learn from Israel that we couldn't learn water-wise from our own farmers and the the people that are, you know, growing fodder, things like that. Well, the one thing that they have that we don't have is a completely centralized water system controlled by 100% by the state, which is exactly what Utah is trying to get to. So um, I, those things should be audited. Who's to, 
whose idea was that? And that's what I always come back with. You see these things as legislators, like who, who authorized this? You know, we see the, you know, Utah is now part of the climate core. And it's like, I'm in the legislature. I, I didn't know this. I read it. I hear it from people like you, Chelsea. It's like, what? Why did? Why were we not consulted? You know, uh, why did this happen? But being a CPA, audits are my world. You know, third party, um, uh, you know, uh, opinions that are that are given by somebody who's coming in and saying, you know, we looked at this and we see some problems with it. So audits are absolutely essential. I, I love this discussion, and, and it's and it's something that needs to be unpacked. But it does go deep. It goes deep into the you know the social construct that is being created uh, for these people. And it's like you, you, it's like it's like the BLM choices. Do you want alternative one or alternative two or alternative three? It's like I don't want any one of those. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with digital ID. The people are very clear. Hundred percent. We we showed up when they, when they were voting on that. We made it clear we didn't want it. Hats off to our legislators. We shut it down. Then we get a governor who says, oh, well, guess what? Pilot, Pilot program. program. <laughs> you got it. Digital ID is coming at you whether you like it or not. What do you do? Yeah. What would you, what would you do? I already know what you'd do. You'd shut, you'd, you I imagine if you get in, you will shut that down. Right. It wouldn't fly with me. It w- you know, the, the, the culture in the governor's office would be such that it, those kind of things would not fly. We're not doing that. Number one, we're there to preserve the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. That's our, that's our oath that we took. That's what we're going to do. So if something, you know, increases taxes on our citizens, it's not going to fly. If it takes away freedoms, it's not going to fly. Um, that's 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 got to be a given. That's got to okay. be the culture from the top. <clears throat> uh, one of the things I really like about you is you're a, a hawk on election integrity. Um, I think uh, the Heritage Foundation ranks Utah in the very bottom of the country with it comes when it comes to our election integrity. What are some specific things you would do? To, to move us, actually, one of the things that's interesting, Oklahoma has is ranked as the highest for election integrity. And the interesting thing about Oklahoma is a few years ago, it was the worst. And it was because people realized it was the worst that they said, all right, we got to change things. What would you change in Utah to, ins- to get our elections cleaned up so that we can clean house? First of all, we get out of ERIC, the Electronic Records Information Center. That's a, that's a David Becker... Uh, driven organization, Zuckerberg-funded organization to to win Democrat votes. Um, I was looking. Well, why would we need to worry about it? We don't have Democrat votes. <laughs> or you mean to, re- to win re- Republican Rhino votes in Utah? Right. Yeah. So this 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 gal Rachel uh, Kleinfeld um, is an advisor to the National Governors Association. Um, she talks a lot about disagree better. Um, and I listened to a podcast this morning. I was like, I was just doing a little bit of research on her and she gives a, she gives a clinic on ranked choice voting and why that's got to be rolled out across the country so that we can get more moderates elected. She wow. said, what we really need, this is a Democrat telling what we really need is more flavors of Republicans in the races. So, uh, and, and this is the way they, this is the way that they will roll that out. Why, why would, why would, our governor be taking advice from Rachel Kleinfeld, a devout, you know, leftist whose whole objective is to reinvent the left so that they can take over the government. And, and where Trump is the biggest existential threat to our country. And we've got a governor who's listening to, to that kind of nonsense, not just listening, but implementing. 
Well, you know, and we're, we're talking about audits just, just briefly, just before, and, and elections. Utah is, of course, a unique state. We don't have a secretary of state here. Our lieutenant governor oversees our elections. I always thought of you as the ideal candidate for lieutenant governor with your CPA background and what a hawk you are on elections. Thank you. Who would you, would you share or would you share who might be a lieutenant governor for you that you would trust to oversee our elections? I have a short list of, of people, uh, and most of them are politically active in things, so kind of watching to see are they going to run for this office or that office. But that's, that's uh, for the lieutenant governor, they have to be, first of all, anti-corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I'm committed to do as governor is to put in a secretary of state. And that secretary of state, that's an essential Thing. So, if, so if I had somebody who was anti-corruption, who was not really into the whole minutia of election stuff, I would say, yes, I want that person. We'll get a secretary of state that can oversee the elections. Um, but there's also some really good uh, people there who have proven that they're adamant about, you know, honest, effective elections. Um, so so <clears throat> going back to ranked choice voting, the RNC nationally comes out and condemns it. Meanwhile, Utah, we're pushing it, and we're allowing all the cities to use it, and we're, and we're continuing to lead this charge on all these liberal things. So you said you'd, you'd, st- you'd shut down, Eric. What else would you do to secure our elections? You've got this, uh, this narrative through the, through the clerks, and you've been to some of those meetings where, well, I was, I was in October of 2021, we were at that hearing, and I prefaced my remarks I like the clerks. I respect the clerks. They, they are coming off the streets. They're elected. They're not trained in this. They're doing a good job. They're honest people. This is not a criticism of the clerks. But when I take the cast vote record and, and compare it to the, to the voter rolls, some of those precincts are coming up with you know, massive differences, 200, 200% turnout of votes. And I said, I, I would like to find answers to those things. And the response was, how dare you impugn the character of our clerks. Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, well, that's a non-starter. That's the, that's the, you know, the two is not a real two and your four is not a real four. And I don't know how to do math it's in that environment. It's a leftist answer. Yeah. It's a leftist answer. And it's, and it's designed to, to kill the discussion and win the argument. And you have to assume at the end of the day that this is intentional, especially when op-eds go up and billboards go up and all of this stuff is like, this is overkill. And that's the tell. That's the tell that Whoever's doing this knows what they're doing. It is a, it is a scheme. Um, I can't remember what your question was. <laughs> no, what else would you do to secure our elections? You talked about getting rid of Eric. What else would you do? Oh, I mean, it's, it's really simple. Uh, election day voting at your precinct level with a voter ID. And, and, and that's, how, that's how it works. You know, people say, well, how could we, how could we do it without the machines? It's like, well, Sammy, we did it without machines for, for all these years. Yep. What about mail-in voting? Mail-in voting is for people who cannot make it to the polls. I'm out of the country, I'm in the military, I wanna By vote. request only. By request not, only. Not mass. This, this idea of, of universal mailing ballots is a scheme. It's, you blanket the community with ballots and you count whatever comes in. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, so I ran the bill, HB 371, uh, back in uh, 2021, <clears throat> and one of my colleagues down in San Juan County Navajo woman, she said, she said, I don't think it will ever fly because the people just don't want to give up their gift cards. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, they get, they get a gift card for $75 just for bringing in a ballot. Wow. And I said, 
that's illegal. She said, oh, well, that's what happens. You know, and then you talk to the lieutenant governor. This is what happens. I mean, go talk to this person. Get the firsthand testimony about what's happening. It's like, well, you can't go onto the Navajo Nation and check into stuff like that because then it's a, uh, you know, now you're trying to limit our minorities from voting. I mean, oh it's, 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 it's the same nonsense. You're just like, how can we have it? How can we have a discussion if we can't talk about the truth? You know, so. So. On, on the topic of elections, one of the challenges we have is, is I am a big fan of the caucus system. Um, however, because of uh, Count the Vote, which is a private organization, and we've already detailed who's behind it, uh, they've basically neutered the Republican Party, taken away their power to elect their own people, so the Republican Party can no longer, through the caucus system, decide who's going to be on the ballot. Uh, they've allowed people to, to pay money to go get signatures and bypass the caucus system. And since that's been implemented, <clears throat> Utah has completely flipped, not to Democrats, but from true conservatives to rhinos, to people who are establishment picks. How, how, what would you do about SB 54? Well, SB 54 needs to be repealed. Um, it needs to go away. And I guess I'd, st I'd send a strong message to the legislature that let's repeal SB 54. But the, the, you know, the GOP could take this matter into their own hands a little bit. How? Because I'll tell you, every time we talk to uh, the GOP leaders, it's, 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 so how? The, 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 the constraint is that they would have to pay for their own primary election if, if they don't conform to SB 54, which, which would be expensive. So I would like to see the GOP say, fine, we'll pay for our own, we'll pay for our own election. We're, we are a party, we're an independent party, we're not beholden to the state. And if, and if by taking state money, makes us beholden, then we won't take the state money. Um, I guess as a governor. So that's something Rob Axon could do. Yeah. Which would nullify SB 54. It would. Yeah. Have our own primary. Pay for it ourselves. It's expensive. What, what, I think six million bucks or something. So I am pretty willing to bet you could raise six million dollars to I, neuter SB 54. I think so too. I think so too. I think you can have a lot of people give $20 and get there. <clears> I would like to see Rob Axon step up and, and, and attempt to do that. I would too. I would too, and I think Rob would like to do that. It is, it's, it's a decision you don't make in a vacuum because you realize, oh, if I commit to do this, I'm going to have to write him a check, and do I have the money in my account to do it, and it, will the people pay? So a lot of times, you know, the best laid plans don't get enough money to, put, to push that across. So Rob doesn't want to get himself strung out there without the money to pay the bill, but I, my assumption is that Rob, Rob would do that if he had the money to do it. And, and, oh, and, it's, and it's not fair. You know, it's, it's like, well, we shouldn't have to just let's just get rid of SB 54. Let's just go back to supporting the parties. The state should su support the parties in choosing their candidate. And I love the caucus system, too. If you could uh, say something to President, or not President Cox, Governor Cox. Lord, help us. Help us. <laughs> what, would, what would you say to Cox? I guess I would say, Governor, you took an oath to uphold the Constitution. Um, Forget about what's a good idea, what's a bad idea. Just follow the Constitution. Just go back to that. Empower the people. Uh, power in this country is supposed to come from the bottom upwards. I mean, this is, this is Magna Carta type stuff where people say even governors are subject to the law. And nobody can tell a parent that their child has to wear a mask to, for a, you know, something that's not a, a legitimate threat. Let's, let's at least define these things. Let's give people some parameters that they can work in. I'm not an anarchist. I'm not against government, but 
let's have some leadership in the governor's office. And that leadership should be towards, you know, self-reliance and self-autonomy, um, not towards compliance with a government mandate. I love it. And then if you had a message to our, our listeners and viewers, uh, what would you want them to know or hear? So to the people in Utah, what I would want them to know is that, is that they are the sovereigns. They are the people that created this great country. Um, you know, I wake up every day feeling so blessed that I live in, in Utah and that I have my family close by and I want to see them do well. I want my kids to do well. Um, I'm not looking to the government to solve my problems. I'm not looking for them to, to tell me how to live my life. And at the, at the end of the day, the people in Utah, I think of all the people anywhere, have a responsibility to live like free, independent agents unto themselves, to act and not be acted upon. Uh, it's in our culture. It's who we are. Uh, it's a perfect time to stand up. And if we don't stand up, I think we're going to look back and say, we should have. We should have taken a stand when we had the chance because I don't know four years from now if we will have the ability to really push back, you know. Uh, lots of talk about taking away guns. You take away guns, you take away the, the ability for people to have an, at least an equal fight in that. You, you mentioned early on, you know, people that would give their life for freedom. And most, most people that I talk to would do that in a heartbeat. If they wouldn't, then the people that want to take their freedom make note of that. Oh, this person would not go the distance to preserve their freedom. Maybe we should look at taking their freedom away first uh, or limiting them. And, and they can convince their neighbors uh, to, you know, let's all be reasonable. Let's all compromise again and again and again. Uh, and you know, you know the backstory of kind of where I, where I came from and my community and my incarceration and my mugshot. I had a mugshot before it was cool. So, <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a proud thing to say, I, I, I have some standards and, and we, we believe, I think again in Utah that we'll answer for this at some point, you know, I know I'm going to look some people in the eye and be, and say, you know, I did my best. I, I, this was important to me. If, if I didn't believe in God, if we were, if we had a state where people didn't believe in God, then you know, what's, the, what's wrong with lying? What's the, what's the downside of that? Uh, and in Utah, of all places, uh, I have great hope. And the worse it gets, the closer we are to a, to a change, you know, to that thing kind of flipping and people saying, okay, this, that we've tried this long enough and, and the lies are not going to work on us Love anymore. It. Love it. Alexia? I, I hate to be on a negative note, um, but I'm, I'm looking forward We've done shows with Chelsea about Utah being the cradle of the fourth industrial revolution and what that means. We see what's going on with the with the dollar and the potential for the central, uh, the CBDC, the, the digital currency. We see the new surge of COVID and uh, whatever else might be coming, possibly climate lockdowns. You see a lot of these things, the smart growth which is, I think, directly tied into a lot of the invasion at the southern border. What scares you the most about what uncharted territory we're stepping into now that we need a strong leader to guide us through? I'll, I'll, I'll tell another just a little story. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was driving home to Blanding, and I stopped at 
the Walmart in price. <clears throat> and I walked in and the first thing I saw was, was a, a couple of cute little kids and they were follow, following their, their mom who was pregnant and had another one in the, in the, you know, shopping cart four babies, you know? And, uh, um, and then when I went out, as I walked through the store, I saw other people in that same kind of family mode. And I thought, yeah, I don't know what Thursday evening at Walmart, what this is about. It's like family hour. Went out in the parking lot and they were congregated around. Husbands were there, uh, um, you know, and, and they, weren't, they weren't like your traditional Utah people, goatees and tattoos and, you know, just living their life and having their suburban or their minivan or whatever it was. And um, I went home and I told Jody, my wife, who is the biggest patriot you'll ever want to meet, thankfully. I said, if you ever want to see the kingdom of God on earth, go to Walmart and Price at 630 on a Thursday evening. And uh, so what scares me is that people will get convinced that I can't afford to get married or, or to have children or to uh, be actively engaged in my own life. I've, I've said people don't want to be spectators in their, own, in their own life. And sometimes we feel that way when, when the ranchers down in San Juan County are saying, you know, we used to run 1,200 head of cattle and they've got us down to 300 head and we can't pay the bills anymore. And, and Grand Canyon Trust is here wanting to buy my allotments for a lot of money and should I sell? And, you know, my grandpa didn't want to sell. My dad didn't want to sell. My kids don't want me to sell, but my business is being squeezed out. You feel like a spectator in your own life. It feels like you're watching a movie. And I guess that's what scares me the most is that people will, will kind of have this, rec this realization that they are living in this 1984 type of a scenario where they don't have freedoms anymore, where every move is, is tracked and, uh, and their currency is, can be locked down and shut down at any given moment. And, uh, and, they're just, and they're just not free. I can't imagine living in a world where people aren't uh, able to make those basic decisions and they don't feel like they're free. So I guess, yeah, I, I don't want to lose that. I do, I do not want to lose that in America. But I think that's the power of a strong governor because you look at a state like Florida and what happened during the lockdowns in 2020 and for the most part florida stayed open and i think that had to do with the way their state was being led and i think if we're going into whatever unknown territory we're going into now if we had strong leadership i think that would be the hope that we would have is is getting the right people in office so, so here here is the hope you know where, wherever you are on the political spectrum freedom means freedom i see people on the far left who want to be free uh, to live whatever lifestyle they've decided they want to live. They don't want the government telling them what to do and what they can't do. So, so freedom means freedom across the board. And that's, that's, maybe that's the hopeful part of this. And for me, it's the hopeful part of, of being a conservative who could get elected into a position like this is that maybe even people on the far left will look and say, I don't like what the governor is dictating to me in my life. And I'm as free as as my conservative people. And, and maybe, maybe they'll recognize that Phil Lyman is standing up for their freedoms. I value their freedom as much as I value my own, the ability to make your own decisions and pay the consequences for your decisions and just live your very best life. Uh, so hopefully that, that resonates um, all across the spectrum. Well, just to wrap up, you know, here's, here's my, my thoughts is I'm very leery of people who run for office and who, for people who are in office, and rightfully so because... History has shown, and our founding fathers remind us, power attracts the worst and corrupts the best. 
when I look at people who run for office, the first thing I ask is what's their motive? Are they looking for power? Are, or are they looking for, to, for a, an, to, to have, to, to be in a place of influence? Are they looking to join a club? Are they, are they, are they looking to be part of an association of representatives or, or high profile people? And when we live in a state that has been completely, without question, hijacked by these globalists, from the Senate to the State House and clearly the Office of Governor, we don't need a governor who's going to get in there and, and get along and get in there and, and, work with, and, and work with the system. We need a governor who will go in there and help clean house and replace the system. We need state reps who will go, and this is a problem with the state Senate seat, Everyone who I see running for that state Senate seat, they want, the, they, they want to get in and get along with the reps and, 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 and go be part of the system. Where I'm looking for someone who's going to go in there and say, look, the system's broken and I'm not afraid to be the lone wolf. I'm not afraid to get, get the slack and to not be popular. I'm not afraid to take the heat because I disagree. Much like Phil Lyman has been in the House. Phil Lyman has been that man who has stood as a lone, a lone man against an army of, 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 of people who are going along to get along and, and going along to, the, and, and to sell out our state. There's very few people, Phil, uh, that I know that I believe will, that when we put them in office, they will not sell out. They will not compromise. You've already shown it before when you were a, a, a county commissioner, when you end up in jail, standing for what's right, standing up for the federal government. Folks, there is nothing more important than a governor. I'm telling you, the, 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 the presidential campaign is not as important in 2024 as your race, as the race for our governor. Because I will tell you, the federal government needs to be shut down. It needs to be put back to where it, would be, where it came from as a small group that has very little impact in our lives. And what we need to do is empower the state. We need a governor who has the balls to stand up to the state reps, to the state senators, and to the federal government. Who will, take, who will put a constitutional wall around the state of Utah. There is nothing more important. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm, we're supporting Staggs. I'm happy he's running against you know, Romney's out and whoever else gets in there. But I will tell you, if you want to get involved in, the, in a meaningful fight, a fight that will make a difference for your children, it isn't the presidential campaign. It isn't the Senate. It isn't a Congress. It is the governor. And I will tell you, I don't trust people easily, and, and, and we're not supposed to. I trust this man. I would trust him with my life. And I just, and if you want to make a difference, get in this fight. It, because you are going to be going up against the establishment because this man is going to take the establishment down. I promise you, I, tr I, tr I trust him with every, every bit of me. He will go after these people. And we need someone to do that. We have got to take the state back. So... <clears throat> Start thinking about as, as, as 2024 comes and you start thinking about the elections and you hear all the hype about the, you know, the federal level. Don't get lost in that. Let's take Utah back. Let's win our backyard. The corruption here is out of control. We will not be the cradle of the fourth industrial revolution. We will be the cradle of the, of the rebirth of America and the Constitution. And this is the man who will lead that charge. And this is the man we'll stand behind. And we pray and hope you will too. With that being said... We got a fight in our hands. You, we, we've exposed how much corruption from the ritualistic stuff to the China to the World Economic Forum. There is secret. There is there is corruption in this state. 
but we will not back down and we will not lose. So let's get in the fight. Let's back this man up and uh, we're going to win. So God bless America and God bless Utah. Thank you guys for joining. <laughs>